0: Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. I love this reading from John. Because I can count on probably one hand, if you'll understand what I'm trying to say, if I count on one hand the number of times that you're, like, you're reading through the Bible and you read a story and you pause for a second you're like, wait a second, like, what's actually going on in this story? And it's that pause that makes it just explode in your head. This is one of those stories for me. I remember the first time I, I didn't just read this story because it can feel like one of those stories that we might just kind of roll through and be like, okay, cool, Jesus heals another guy. I remember the first time I was like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, this story has so much more to say than what is on the surface. And so I'm looking forward to preaching this this morning. And everyone here goes, oh, no, that's not great. But we're talking about a healing today, right? And that seems fitting because with each passing day, we hear more and more about the need for healing in our world, do we not? Healing within ourselves. We are in the midst of Mental Health Month. We haven't had the chance to quite get there yet, but we hear about the healing that needs to happen within ourselves, mentally, spiritually, in our souls. We talk about healing between people and relationships, healing within families and within communities, even healing in our nation and in our world. So healing is on the brain, but we have to think about healing a little bit. And there are two questions which our text, this passage from John, wants to address today. The first question it wants to address is, who gets to be healed? Because the question is never if we want to see healing. There's not a single person in the world where I say, do you want the world to be a better place? Like everybody would say, yes. Do you want to be a better person? Do you want to feel more like yourself? The answer is always going to be yes. We always want to see everything be healed. So the question, who gets to be healed, is not everybody. It really, then, is a much more practical question. When we say, who gets to be healed, the question that revolves around that is, who gets the resources, who gets the access, who gets the mercy, who gets the opportunity to be healed? And that is the question, particularly in this era of our nation and of the church, that we are asking because we are deep in examining what we have been and what we seek to be. The second question, and actually maybe it should be the first one what do we even mean by healing? Because healing comes in many forms, but hear me very cl- clearly that it's never simply an issue of the body. We can fix our body and not be healed. We can have a heart attack, we can be terrified by that, we can have emergency surgery, and we can still return to the same destructive ways and habits. That's not healing. Healing, when we talk about it in the context of faith, in the context of a community that is committed to healing, healing is what God does to position us more fully to live, really live and if we are disciples of Jesus Christ then we are more we are positioned more fully in healing to live as disciples of Jesus Christ in this way healing is an issue of the whole self it is both body and spirit which means that yes it touches on our physical needs as it should but it also touches on desires it touches on motivation it touches on agendas so these are the two things Jesus wants us to consider as we hear this story. But in the process of offering healing, Jesus will critique and challenge our understandings of who gets healed and what that looks like. So here's the story. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and while he's there, he goes to this pool. Now this pool is really interesting. It, said that it was said that there was an angel who would come and stir the waters. I don't know what that looks like. Kind of looks like a spa to me, maybe a, maybe a really good bubble bath, but you all don't care about that. The water is churning at various times, and whoever could get down into the water would be healed. And so naturally the sick and the suffering gather around this pool. The catch, of course, again, hear this out, is only the first person into the water would be healed. That person would go down in, they would be healed, the water would stop, and everybody would wait for the angel to return. What we have here, as wonderful as this is, what we have here is what I might call a system of merit. This pool, the way it's playing out, is a meritocracy. Merit simply meaning reward or punishment due. True, there isn't look, on a first glance, there isn't much here that looks like merit because everyone is in need of healing, everyone is broken in some way. But hear this out. Then this is where I was like, oh my goodness, this is where this scripture pops for me. The one who is healed is usually the healthiest. Think about that for a second. Think how bizarre that is. The one who is healed is usually the healthiest. Those who can provide for themselves, maybe their legs or their body just work a little bit better. And so they can, as my mother used to say, yuks themselves down into the water. Those who have the resources or relationships are the one, you know, perhaps there's somebody like, "Hey, mom, dad, I want you to come wait for me when I want you to lift me up just throw me in." All right, just don't even walk me down, just pitch me in. Make a big splash. So the people who are the healthiest, the people who have resources or relationships are the ones who are the recipients of healing because they get to the water quickest. In a merit system, The one who is least sick and the best connected is the one most likely to be healed. So over time, there is a steady flow of less sick people through the pool while the most unhealthy accumulate around the edges. Does this not speak rather beautifully and illuminatingly to our own times? Who gets access to healing? Who gets access to the levers needed to bring about healing? Who has relationships to assist in healing? Let, it me, let me put this even more pointedly. Who has health care? Who has the right to vote? Who has money to invest? It is the healthiest. And in this way, it is the cruel irony of meritocracy that only the healthy get healed. But this place is called Bethsada or Bethsaida, which in Aramaic means... House of mercy. Mercy is the opposite of merit. Because in merit, healing is based on the health and availability of the sick. But mercy has nothing to do with the sickness of the person. Mercy is based on the goodness of the merciful one or of the giver. It is not about how bad you are. It is about how good the healer is. And what the Jews at that time believed, and what we ourselves believe, is that we have a giver, a God who seeks out not the most deserving to be healed, but rather seeks out the most hurting and the least deserving. And this is what happens Jesus comes to the pool, and he encounters a man who has been trying to get into this pool for 38 years. If you're wondering how long 38 years is, I'm 39. Been waiting there my whole life. My whole life. In fact, my whole lifespan is longer than the average lifespan of a Jewish person in that culture. In other words, he's been laying there his whole life. And here's the thing about his paralysis: it's not just that he can't get down into the pool; he can't get healthy. It's not like he's sick, but you know, just kind of. It's not like he can't get a doctor's appointment. And so, you know, oh, I went to the doctor, but he made appointments for me today, so I went back home. No. His entire life has been consumed by this. He's not going out to dinner with friends on Friday night. What if the pool is stirred? He's not going to hang out. He's not going to worship. He's not going to see, you know, he's not going to a graduation party. He's not doing any of that. Because if the pool is stirred and he's not there, guess what's not happening? He's not getting healed. This sickness hasn't taken away some of his life. It literally is his life. That's all he's got. So Jesus, the seer, the merciful one, comes to him and asks, do you want to be healed? I remember as a kid reading this, and I was like, that is the dumbest question Jesus has ever asked. I had, I had like at least enough gumption to ask that question as a kid. Like, Jesus, that's a dumb thing to say. And maybe we too are kind of surprised or put off by this. Would we ask a starving child if they want food? Would we ask a victim of some kind of uh, sort of bodily ailment if if they want surgery? But mercy is gentle because it asks. It is one thing to want to be healed, and it is another thing to live healed. Hear that again. It is one thing to want to be healed. It is another thing to live healed. Because, think about what it means for this man to say yes to that question. For this man to say yes to, do you want to be healed, is to lose his life as he knows it. He'll lose the place that he knows as home. He'll lose many of his friends. You can imagine that it's his buddies who are all kind of laying around, doing like a lot of us do, griping about their aches and pains and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's going to lose all that because he ain't going to be there no more. He'll lose his identity. As, as kind of sad as his identity was, I'm sure he identified himself as one of the poor and maligned. He will be that no longer. It is a loss of identity. He'll have to relearn how to live with limbs that are now working. He'll have to totally relearn his life. And so it is entirely reasonable that he arrive at the, at the conclusion that maybe healing is too costly and it is too difficult for him. Maybe as he gets to the end of his life, you know what, he's like, look, it's just not worth it. This is what it is, it's just not worth it. I'm just going to lay here until I'm gone. And in this way, Jesus is examining our motivations and our strategy. To be healed, to be set right with God, to be positioned more fully to live as disciples of Jesus Christ, will cost us. Because so much of our lives is tied up in our brokenness, isn't it? So much of our lives are tied up and our identities are tied up in what is not right with us. We don't talk about it, but the way we understand ourselves is so often tied up in what we are not. And to let that go, to seek healing, is to lose a part of who we are. Now, if we want, we can, rely on our, we can choose to rely on our own merit, hoping and praying that one day we'll finally be the healthiest person in the sick ward, or maybe we'll accumulate enough relationships and resources that we'll be the healthiest one who can bail ourselves out. You can go that route. It is a strategy, but that's not where Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is not going to bless our seeking a meritocracy. Jesus is only and always going to be merciful. Now, let me be clear. This is where this story critiques so much of what we believe. Because we have tried for generations in this nation, and by extension, the church, we have lived with Jesus in the context of not mercy, but meritocracy. The church is often a place of healing, and many of us are examples of that. I'm not saying any of that, that's absolutely true. But as we all gather around this pool time after time after time, the ones, it seems, with a bit more resourcing, power, education, family and connections, money, yada, 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 are the ones who seem to benefit most from the work of the church, yes? They're the ones who not only in the church seem to benefit, it's also they seem to benefit in our land, in our nation. And as others have called out, as the sick have accumulated, how do we understand the sick? Well, the actual sick, the burdened, the indebted, communities of color, immigrants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have said to them, well, you get in when you are able to get in, when you have enough to help yourself in. Get in yourself. And it's no surprise then that as we have lived as a meritocracy that we find that the largest growing religious population in America is not Protestants, it is not Catholics, it is not Muslims, it is not Jews, it is the nuns. And no, I'm not talking sound of music. N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. The ones with no affiliation whatsoever. The ones who say, well, if it's just based on merit, I'm never going to get there. And So we start to believe that God's mercy does not extend to them. That mercy is for some, the connected, it is not for others. The unconnected, the powerless, the marginalized. And in this way, friends, just as it did at this pool at Bethsaida, so it does in our world. Meritocracy leaves bodies in its wake. And we, the church, need to be healed of our tendency towards meritocracy if we are to do God's work in the world. What I believe, and what I believe this story of faith teaches us, is that Jesus is calling us to be people of healing, not by meritocracy, but by mercy, not for the privileged, but for all. The Anglican Bishop J. C. Ryle, who was a fiery preacher back in the late 1800s, he said it with such gusto. He said, "Jesus is far more ready to save the person than that person is to be saved." Far more willing to do good than we are ready to receive it. Hear that again. Jesus is far more ready to save than we are to be saved. Jesus is far more willing to do good than we are to receive that good. Jesus wants to heal, but his question stands for us Do we want to be healed? Are we sure? Are we ready to relearn life with a faith that is robust, full, and significant, that doesn't leave bodies, but rather helps scoop everyone up and get everyone into the pool? If not, if that's really not what we want to do, well, Jesus is merciful. He'll let us be. We'll be fine. There'll be a lot of bodies laying in our wake. But if so, Jesus says to us, friends, rise, take up your mat, and walk. And it says, at once the man was healed, And he took up his bed, and he walked. For we who are done with merit, we who are sick and tired of trying to make it on our own, realizing we can't do that. We who are sick and tired of asking other people to make it on their own, knowing that there are challenges to that. For we who are done with merit, who are tired of our baggage, and who desire mercy, we can be transformed. We who long for the church to again be a place of extravagant healing and transformational purpose, we are free to toss away our mats, free to leave the old life of meritocracy behind. We are free to see a bright future that will look differently than today, but will also demand of us real learning and will require us to learn to use some muscles and some limbs maybe we haven't used in a while. But friends, we are called to walk into a future of purpose and joy and love. And so let us on this day understand what mercy is all about. And may we find the pools that Jesus invites us to jump into, not out of our own strength, but because Jesus comes and desires to heal us.